Hello and welcome to the Unstoppable Stylist Podcast, where independent beauty entrepreneurs can get all the mindset, messaging, and methods they need to be unstoppable in beauty, business, and life. Hello and welcome to the Unstoppable Stylist Podcast. I am your host, Sharon Huckle, and I am super excited to be here with Morgan Thomas from At Jade Beauty Co. She is hilarious and I know we're going to have lots of fun today. So without further ado, here is Morgan. Please introduce yourself and tell them what you are all about. Hi, thank you so much, Sharon. Like you said, I'm Morgan Thomas, aka people probably know me as Jade Beauty Co. In fact, most people think my name is Jade. It's not, it's Morgan, but that's fine. I chose a Instagram name that, you know, was not my name, which was very silly on my part. But yes, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I'm just really excited to be with you. We were just on an IG live before this, and we were talking about sometimes the pressure that is on us as hairdressers for social media. It's a bit of a love-hate relationship because we actually, we have lots of content, we have lots of great things that we can use, but we do get kind of into that compete and compare sometimes, and it can put some pressure. And you have made Instagram a very fun, safe place for our hair. Oh, good. I'm so glad to hear oh, that. Oh, you yeah. Know, so sometimes you don't know. You're like, am I you know, cheapening our industry. I don't know, you know, sometimes I worry about that. So thank you. Yeah, it's so funny how we are hardest on ourselves than anybody, except for those men who comment stupid things, right? (laughs) Which which you have shared in your reels, which is so funny when you read off your mean comments. I think that is hilarious. But I always find that even as you're making making fun with our industry, you're not ever in a position where you're shaming the industry or putting anybody down. You approach it so nicely that, uh, and it's just, it's all the stuff that we think all the time, but there's never any client shaming. There's never any industry bashing. You know how to poke fun, mostly at yourself. Yeah, I try. I try. You know, I want to keep things light. It would be very easy to client shame to do all this because we've had those scenarios, right? Where you're like, what is happening? Um, I really try to stay away from that kind of stuff. I just think it doesn't, it's not a good look, right? I um, for anyone. And in fact, I don't, I'm not going to shame anyone who does it, but sometimes I see things and I'm like, Ooh, what if your client saw that? Or, you know, um, I try to, I try to keep things light. I have done, I did take one reel down before, so don't give me too much credit. I did take one down that I was like, you know, I was getting some heat, like, Oh, that you're not being very nice. And I realized like, sometimes you get caught up, right? Like, cause you come up with an idea and you get caught up and, um I had to look at that as a a teachable moment like yeah that wasn't it wasn't okay it makes it seem like it was really hardcore it was about a mullet and um the people who love mullets did not like that video so I did take it down but um it was a moment for me to say okay I really need to look at what content I'm putting out because I want to again be a safe space and just have things be light the world is heavy I mean I don't want my page to be more, you know, more heaviness in the world. It doesn't need to be. I just want to keep things light. So I I focus on that because, and like you said, I try to poke fun at myself because I've got a lot of content to poke at myself. So that works out pretty well for me. Yeah. Well, I think it's a healthy dose of, you know, because so often we're very mean to ourselves. You you mentioned mean girls in our live and that has not been my experience. I've had a lot of really good, solid uh, core female influences in my life and friendships but I think the meanest girl we walk around with all the time is our own little inner voice like 100 yes. like holy I, and I'm still guilty of it still have not 
tempered that sometimes where I'm just, I'm just nasty to myself. It's hard. It's hard as a woman. I think we um, have been a little conditioned to be very hard on ourselves, right? Society puts that pressure to, as women, especially. Um, so I, I hear you on that. And I just, instead of, I don't know, I would love to be better in that way, but I also am like, well, I'll just poke fun at it. You know, it's working. Yeah, well, no, and I think it's excellent, and I think it allows, it gives everybody a certain fr freedom to just just have a little more fun in life, because as you said, For life sure. is very heavy, and yeah. we we actually live very privileged lives. We live very privileged, um, you know, careers, really. Like I always say, I do such yeah. privileged work to be in people's personal space. I've had some clients now I've been doing over 25 years since before my kids were Amazing. born. And yeah. uh, like, we've really gotten to know each other well over the years. And they've seen me through the ups and downs. I've seen them through the ups and downs. And I love that about my work. Like, you know, as I near the end of my career and I'm, I'm doing other things, sometimes mm -hmm. I get in a bit of a panic when I think like, how am I ever going to like step away from behind the chair? Right. Because it's been, I think about that often. Gift. Yeah. It's been such a gift, you know? And, um, but there's so many exciting things too. And, like there'll always be people in my life. I am a people person. Um, yeah. And really, I just, I know I need that. I found the pandemic really hard because not being able to go into my salon and, and, you know, reach out to those people in person was really tough. But now, like, I know you're, you're doing a tour. Um, yeah. An education tour, which is very exciting. I uh, am. But tell us a little bit about that because I know you got your funny comedy stuff on um, yeah. Instagram, but you are so much more than that as a Thank hairstyle. Thank you. Um, yeah. So I am recently, I've always done a little education for area salons and stuff, but um, going on the road with my friend Erin Ray. Um, she's an amazing lived in color specialist and she started traveling for education and we have a podcast together and the honest hairdresser podcast and so she was like do you want to make this a duo and come on the road with me so we are hitting five cities in five months six months we are doing all lived in color techniques I'm mainly blonde focused and she's a little bit more brunette focused so we're doing this kind of dueling techniques we'll both have a live model that will be doing our signature placements on a blonde and on a brunette We'll also be talking about photography tips because that is, again, something new to more seasoned stylists like myself, right? I mean, we did not photograph our work. Yeah, your own yeah. personal thing, but never for social media. That wasn't even a thing. So, you know, really training hairstyles on how to photograph their work because that is a whole thing in itself and using that to gain business on social media or to work with brands we'll be talking a lot about that and how to really break down using your social media to boost your clientele and how to boost your following is so different like the algorithms and working with all that I've done so much research in the last couple of years on things that I never wanted to know about but that's what we're sharing we're not we're not gatekeeping anything we're letting you in on the secret her and I both kind of built our following pretty quickly so spreading those secrets out to our attendees we're really excited we've got some great sponsors on the tour so the swag bags are going to be amazing and we're excited it'll be fun
Yeah. So where will you be holding the education? Are you going to different salons that are hosting you? Yes. So we've yeah. had some amazing host salons reach out to us. So really excited. We'll kick off the tour um, in June in San Diego. And then we're in Boston in July. Uh, August will take off because we'll go to the um, Behind the Chair show, which I believe is in Austin, Texas. And then we've got two East Coast cities that we're finalizing in September. We take October off because that's Chicago Fashion Week here, which I lead uh, the hair and makeup department. So that we're off then. And then uh, we're going back to my hometown, Minneapolis in November. So talk about that, the Fashion Week there. Like I've done hair for New York yeah. Fashion Week and it was a, a thrill of a lifetime. Fashion Week <laughs> is in April and on October. And I had multiple seasons experience of New York Fashion Week. And so I just am trying to kind of work a system here in Chicago to be very similar. We use all regional and local designers here in Chicago Fashion Week. So it's really cool. It's really a grassroots operation here in Chicago. So it's awesome. I'm really excited and feel very honored to be a part of that. So so for any beauty professional, because obviously like when we I was at New York Fashion Week, it was so fun because there's hairdressers there, there's girls doing manicures, there's people doing the makeup, like they all just sort of swarm around the models and it's really high energy and fun. But for anybody who's thinking like, oh my God, I would love to do that. How do you even get into yeah. that? Because I live in a small town of Belleville, but I travel to New York to do that. I mean, it yeah. is possible. It doesn't matter where you live in this world. I mean, there's hair everywhere. So yeah. some of these things are available to you, even if you think they're not. So talk a little bit about how you got involved in that kind of stuff. So I don't know how you necessarily break into New York Fashion Week now. I've heard rumors, some of which I don't like, if I'm being honest. I think you have to be very careful because so many people want to do Fashion Week hair. The problem is there's a lot of teams that will ask you, hey, come be on our team, but then they require fees and all these things. Oh. I'm not a fan of that. I'm going to be honest no. with you. They're Pay to play. No. And that that's not that that's not how it worked when I got in because no, that's absolutely either. how it worked. However, when I got in, I was strictly with Aveda at the time and Ooh, so too. I took a okay, yes. yeah. Yeah. So I took a class at the Aveda Advanced Academy in New York. They have a runway styling 1 and 2 class there and then after completing those classes, you're asked to come be on the Aveda team. So that's how I initially got in. Once I moved to New York and, you know, made a network there, then I was on other teams. But, you know, the thing is, is I got, at least got a class out of it. Yes, I had to pay for the class and my travel and all that. I just don't like hearing when people get invited to be on a team. And then they're also traveling and doing all that. There's no class involved, but they're paying to be on a team. I personally don't love that. Yeah. Um, I think that's taking advantage of people who want to be in that area of the industry. Um, something that's really important to me here in Chicago is building like equity in our in our industry because it is very expensive to fly to Chicago, take a thousand dollar class or fly to New York, excuse me, take a thousand dollar class, do all these things. I wanna make things affordable um, so that all stylists can play, right? Because it's doing such a disadvantage to a lot of stylists, especially when they're new in the industry, they can't think about traveling twice out to New York for a class for fashion week and paying a very expensive class fee. So I have started um, actually free classes here in Chicago for one runway styling because it's a runway styling is its own unique way of styling. It's similar to bridal styling, right? But it's, it's still different. 
And so I really teach those techniques. And then after completing that class, then you're invited to be on the team. This year is a little different. This season coming in April, I had a ton of people because I built this um, rapport online and have a lot of amazing, talented friends now. So many people have reached out to me that kind of built our team. We also work with area cosmetology schools. I go in, I teach a lesson at the cosmetology schools, and then they come and really help assist opens their eyes to what really is possible. Yeah, no, I think that's amazing that you're doing that. And giving back to your community is so important. That's a big cornerstone for me. That's that's actually how I got a lot of things in my life was really being involved in the communities. And also, but I don't mind getting scrappy a little bit. I'll still do that, get scrappy and bootstrap my way to things. Like I did a ton of volunteer work. I got I was really lucky when, when I still lived in Toronto, um, I did tons of volunteer work for this academy and I got to work with hairdressers from all over the world, but I would literally take a bus across the city first thing in the morning. Like I would be up on the bus at 5 a.m. to go work with these hairdressers. And I spent every Saturday or Sunday and Monday there. So I was working like seven yeah. days a week, but I didn't care. I loved it. It was so fun. And uh, what an incredible experience. Like sometimes I feel like I learned more in that first two years than I do in 20. And uh, so sometimes you have to get a little scrappy and you have to figure it out. And, you know, I had to save lots of money because back then education was very expensive because you could only really do it in person. Yeah. And uh, so you had to prioritize how you were going to spend your money. And every time I took education, I always saw an increase in my business. So it is that kind of return on investment that always seems to pay off. For sure. And same with volunteers. I always tell, yeah, I always tell people some of the most rewarding and beneficial things that I've had in my career have came from volunteer opportunities. Yes. And so don't, and there's a fine line, right? I don't like people working for free, right? Or feeling taken advantage of. Yeah. There's a difference though. If you're, um, you know, using things as exposure and experience, not having to pay for that is huge. If you can go as a volunteer and get certain experiences, I really highly recommend stylists or any beauty professional to take those. Obviously don't get taken advantage of, but don't discredit volunteer opportunities because they are amazing. They're amazing. Yeah. One of my my best friends, she, she and I met at hairdressing school. Her name's Georgia Reynolds and she was a podcast uh, guest as well, but she had a, a philosophy. She goes, I either do it free or full price. There's kind of no, yeah, there's no in between. No, I agree with yeah, that. I, I do it that. from my heart or I do yes. it from my, this is my living and uh, this yeah. is my profession. This is my career, but she goes, those are two kind of different things. So she does a ton of volunteer work and um, loves what she does. And, but she, she knows where that's coming from and what that's giving to her soul, right? Yeah. Um, and I think if you're in control deposits. of those volunteer things, if you are in control, then it's only going to be good for you. But if it's out of your control and you're being taken advantage of, then that's a different story. But I love that. I love free or full price only. <laughs> yeah. I'm here for it. I like that. I like that. Yeah, for sure. So tell us a little bit. So you've, you've done, I, you've had some one shot award stuff on your feed as well um so that so big part of the course that you you mentioned was photography um some of your one-shot stuff I know is for your sort of comedic stuff but you do have some beautiful work in there the things that elevate the industry yeah no absolutely it's just taking practice and putting yourself out there um I always recommend if you have someone who is 
even just knows their way around a camera a little bit, but if you can connect with a professional photographer and shadow them or ask them questions, that's always great. Um, photographing hair is a little different than photographing people, right? But you can at least get the workings of, you know, how you need to use your camera or your phone. Phones have came so far too. Like I yeah. don't discredit taking pictures on your phone. Um, you don't have to do it on a professional camera, but it's just learning the triangle of, you know, light and exposure and uh, focus and all those things. Once you kind of get that down, it makes that a lot easier. Cause you're right. Sometimes I would like look at my phone, then look at the hair. I'm like, these don't look the same, you know? No. So it's just learning those techniques. Um, and we and really stick to editing. that in our classes and editing, editing you know, well. Yeah. We like to rag on editing, right? Like, oh, they over edit, they this and that. But the truth is you do have to edit to make it look like it does in person because it's not always going to be captured that way. So if that means changing um, the hue a little bit or changing the warmth, that's what you have to do to make it look accurate, right? So we speak to all that. We speak to the editing apps that we like and use. And because this is all a huge part of our business that when you and I went to beauty school, we did not need to learn. Like it was not even a thought in our minds. Right? <laughs> so I mean, now having to really have that part of our repertoire is is a whole skill set that we didn't have before but it's exciting and if you look at if you always approach learning as something you know fun and exciting and also like you have to suck a little at it until you do you, just don't, you don't suck as much right like I mean it's just like going back to new techniques right when I got into the industry in 2006 it was a lot of chunky highlights lot of chunky highlights now you know lived in color and natural blended balayage is, is new to me and I, I look back at my old my first ever balayages and again I apologize to those clients luckily they're still with me <laughs> but their balayage is a way more expensive now but also much better so you have to approach education like that and I really think that that is what makes the difference in a longevity of a hairstylist career. We, we can say it a million different ways, but that's what it boils down to. Are you willing to continue to learn all the time? And if you're willing to do that, you have to make it fun because, and you have to look at learning as fun because otherwise you're going to stay stuck at the perm phase, right? Yeah. <laughs> the chunky yeah. highlight phase, right? Yeah. If I stayed there, I would not have any clients. So you, you know, have to approach education as fun for sure. So in your salon, do you mostly specialize in lived in color or are you doing some other stuff too? Because I do see some different stuff on your feed from, you know, from time to time. And obviously you did some editorial work recently that was absolutely beautiful. I'm yeah, sorry. I do a lot of editorial. I probably shoot once or twice a week. Um, and then, yeah, I would say in the salon, most of my clientele is coming in for lived in color for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm mainly blonde focused being from Minneapolis land of everyone being blonde that is kind of my bread and butter and that's where I have really honed my skills so I do mostly blonde clients I have some brunettes sprinkled in there but even my brunettes are lived in how many days do you work in the, the salon now usually four sometimes five it just yeah. depends. Well, you're a busy, busy woman because I know you got a couple of yeah. kids back there too. You know? I do. I yeah. do. I have two amazing boys, six and 10. And then my oldest boy is 35. No, I'm just kidding. My husband yeah. is amazing. <laughs> I really give him a lot of credit because he is the one who has made my career jump off, which sounds weird saying, but 
if it were not for my husband, I would not be able to do all these things. Let's face it. He's very hands-on with our kids. And, you know, that makes me have the freedom to do all the things. And he supports all my crazy ideas. Some of the stuff I've been talking about a long time. And he's like, yeah, go for it. (laughs) Yeah. And that's amazing. I always say it takes a village, right? To to keep us going. And when you look around who is in your life, like even if you are an independent stylist, you're running your own little salon suite, you still have a network. I I hope you have a network to help make your life better. And if you don't, then really start looking to grow it because life is sweeter when you've got wonderful people in it. But yeah, like, I mean, I think of all the ways I have learn to, because I want to say yes to so many things, I have to learn to say no to others. So I've learned to automate. I've learned to delegate. I've learned to eliminate stuff off my plate completely so that I can focus on the things that I really love that are actually the most revenue generating things. Like I not to busy myself with too much minimum wage kind of jobs, yeah. not to downplay them, but it's just not the best use of my time. It's really learning to focus on only the things that only you can do and that that you love to do. And all of a sudden your world yeah. just opens up and life becomes- No, it's so easy. true. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that point up because it is really easy to say yes, yes, yes. 2000 or 2022 was the year of yes for me. I said yes to every opportunity that came my way, good or bad, like honestly, but it was a learning experience for me to now 2023 is the year of- Yes to only the things that make sense. Yes to things that I don't want to say benefit me the most, but like truly, right? I mean, you have to prioritize your time because otherwise you can be doing things endlessly and then you don't have time for the things that really are a priority. And for me, obviously my family is a huge priority, but my clients behind the chair have to be my priority too. So even though I'm building the social media platform and I'm working with brands and all that, at the end of the day, I cannot... I cannot put that over my clients. And I I felt myself doing that a little bit when it comes to doing all these things, right? And we need the after picture and we need this and that. At the end of the day, my clients are who pays my salary. (laughs) And so I have to really focus and prioritize that first. And then if I want to do social media stuff and brand work, again, it has to be brands that really cherish our relationship too, because there's times in social media and brands, they'll take advantage of you and your platform. So finding the brands that really support you and really make it worth your while, I think is important. There's a lot of things that seem to be glamorized. I mean, all this extra stuff that we do. And I feel like sometimes it comes at a cost, the actual glamour of working in our salons day to day. I mean, A, it does pay the bills, but it's also a lot of fun. And now with with social media and being able to like have these mini photo shoots in your salon all the time. Yeah. It can feel very glamorous too. So just like most things in life, it's all how you look at it. And a lot of times those things that we're doing to fuel our creativity aren't always the best paying things. Like I also interviewed Cash Lawless from the Millionaire Hairstylist and he's a celebrity stylist. I mean, he's done Justin Mm -hmm. Bieber's hair and Kylie Jenner's hair and, but he will tell you that, you know, even though he got flown around to do celebrity hair and he's done editorial work and runway work, that is not how he made his millions. You know, he's made it flipping property. So, you know, (laughs) and, and he, he speaks a lot to, how we have to preserve not just our our time, but also our energy 
and that behind the chair work is difficult work in on our bodies and you know anything yeah. can happen but we need to to really cherish that time and protect it as well and honor it and then sort of figure out always having an exit strategy as well like we're getting closer to the end of our career versus somebody who has you know started out at the beginning and not yeah. that we can't relate to that we can you know we have to start thinking with that in mind like what's the next step where 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 do we want to go and so i know what you're you're saying in that we want to really give our all to our salon clients but we also have this pull to other things yeah. and you're in a phase of life your kids are six and ten you know they're in a yeah. totally different phase than my kids which are you know who are 19 and 23 so it's a, it's a different story and so when people are viewing you and seeing all these amazing things that you're doing they have to realize that it's all, you can have it all. You just can't do it all. And so you need that you can't. support. Yeah. That support. And you so do true. have to prioritize. And and like you said, you should can say yes for so long to certain things. Yeah. But at some point you have to make that decision. So is for there sure. any time where you just wanted to give up on the beauty industry? Absolutely. If you've been in this industry for more than 10, 10 years and you have never felt that I am, I applaud you because this is a hard industry. I'm not even going to like uh, sugarcoat it. It is. I have absolutely gone in phases where I thought this is it. I need to do. In fact, I went back to online school when my when my ten year old was a year and a half old. I was working in a salon that I absolutely despised, trapped in a non compete contract. That's maybe another episode, but um, yeah. and I saw no growth, and I thought this is it. I I I lost all of my passion. So I was actually going back to school to finish my bachelor's to go into business. I knew I wanted to stay in the beauty industry and work for a beauty company, but. I thought my behind the chair days were completely done. She closed and I then went on my own and I have this renewed, that was six years ago, renewed love for the industry and what I do. And I it like enhanced my passion times a million. But yes, absolutely. There has been times in my career and I think it, it where you work really sets the precedence for your passion and your education and all those things. If you're in a, in a space that doesn't not only supply that, but reward that, then, you know, it is very easy to get unmotivated very quickly. And I lost all of my passion. And this is the only thing I've ever wanted to do my whole life. Um, and so feeling that way was terrible. And I think if you stay in that place long enough, yeah, that will be the end of your career because this is a career you have to be passionate about in order to be successful. There's a lot of things about hustle culture and negative things. And while I agree with a lot of that, this is an industry where you have to hustle. If you're not passionate about it, I just feel like it's going to be very hard. And again, I think that's why the stats are not stacked in our favor in this industry, but absolutely I have. Luckily, that was really the only time. Absolutely, I have felt that way for sure. And so what, what are some of your favorite parts about your business now? I love being my own boss. I never wanted to be an entrepreneur. I am a sweet owner. Um, so I control the entire vibe there, which I love. I never saw myself in a suite ever, ever, ever. I was always in very big, high volume salons. And I liked the energy of being around so many other stylists. For me, after the pandemic, being by myself and being able to control the energy in the room was super important to me. I went on my own. I was renting a chair. I had my own business, but I was renting a chair. So when I went to in my suite, I just love that I control everything. You know what I mean? Like when people walk through that door, 
they know they're going to have a good time. There's not other people sucking energy. They can come. And I was worried because so many of my clients had been with me in those high volume salons that they would feel like I was doing their hair in a closet. But in fact, it's the opposite. My clients love it. They love that it's more private, you know, because we are, we are our clients therapists in a way, and we become very deep connections with our clients. So the fact that they can do that a little more privately too, they love, I love that I control what products I use and color lines and all those things. I fueled all of my passion from all these years and all these experiences into my business now, which I just really love. I'm so proud of the business that I built because I did it my way. J Beauty Co. is my third child that I don't have. You know what I mean? And it, um, right, those really dark moments in in my career where you thought, oh, no, I can't do this or roadblocks happen, right? Because that's that's our industry. That's any industry. That's life. Yeah, that's but life. To build something I'm really proud of now is just really special to me. I totally get that because I, when I first started out my salon, we had a restaurant in the building. My, my ex-husband was a chef and I was supposed to put the salon upstairs like that. I just wanted mm -hmm. a small little space. And then we had these tenants from hell we could not get out. I was, mm -hmm. I just had a baby. I was, I guess I was still kind of pregnant and had a, had a baby, uh, you know, during that whole period. Mm -hmm. And then finally, my husband just said, forget it. I'm going to get rid of the restaurant. I'll just do catering. You take over the good space. So that was a big, you know, sh shuffle. But then I started to feel this pressure to grow and have lots of staff and then open a spa because I was also an esthetician and that like it just grew big. And so at one time I had 14 staff in there and now I've whittled it back. I've got a nice big space to myself, but I've whittled it back to just me and my assistant who takes care of lots of other stuff mm -hmm. as well with social media stuff and what have you. But my clients love that that space too. And they've seen yeah. me through all of that. Yeah. Right? My clients have been with me a long time. And uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible. And I worked in a big salon before that. And, you know, but I think it's good to have those big salon experiences or at least like For a sure. good training program. I, I think yeah. um, it can be a challenge. I mean, it's not to say it can't be done, but for you to kind of get out of beauty school and go straight into a suite can be difficult because you don't learn enough in beauty school. Everything I learned, I learned in those first two years of being in a salon. And I'm super grateful for being in those high and even and commission salons I mean I think there's a lot to be said like some people are like oh no commission salons are dead I totally disagree because we need commission salons to build your business you do and that's just how I feel and I would never take back those experiences that I got from being a commission I was commission stylist up for 12 years I mean that was the way for me and there was nothing wrong with that it's just Sometimes in a big salon, right, you're not in control of the energy, you're not in control of the culture there. So I think it's just being very careful where you're going to work. But yeah, that's where you learn everything. And, and you get to watch experiences and all those things. I would never take that away. I know there's stylists that go right into a suite, and maybe they've grandfathered in someone's clients. I don't know how that works. But I just think going straight into a big salon is a really great way to shadow and get all those experiences good and bad. So yeah, that, that is one thing I love about our industry. And even just as a coach, like, I don't think there's one way to do things, right? I think there's, there's lots of ways. And over the course of 20 years, obviously, I've tried all kinds of things. And then I figured out what has felt best for me. And I still take courses all the time. I still check in with what other everybody else is doing because I don't want to be left behind. And I want right. to be able to come at every decision that I make in the salon from a power position. I know there's options yeah. out there. And then I distill it down and I know, I know what works for me. Um, and hopefully, as I as I coach people that 
what I'm saying makes sense to them. But if it doesn't, that's okay. Tweak it till it fits right, feels right for you. We're all in different situations. Right. It's just like hairstyles. You know, when someone says, oh, like what's in style? I'm like, whatever you want to be in style. And you know, I keep an iPad on my station and they're like, do you have any ideas? I'm like, I have a whole internet full of ideas. Yeah, right, like, right. Pinterest a little friend BFF. from Google. Right. Yeah, like it's amazing what we have uh, available to us. I just think we are literally in one of the best times to be hairstylists, but it's it still yeah. has challenges for sure. Like it is not it all, all fun times, you know, sunshine and rainbows. Can you share a lesson that really came from failing? And then what lesson came out of that for you? I definitely felt like I failed myself when I, I moved from New York to Chicago and I was kind of at a, a pivotal point in my career then. I felt a little bit of failure starting over again, right? Every time you move to a new city, it's starting over. And that I failed myself in that I didn't see what part I had to play in that. Meaning I just looked at everything as like, oh, the salon isn't bringing enough clients. This I was blaming, blaming, blaming instead of saying, okay, I've got to pick myself up by the bootstraps. I have to do this. I have to do this over because the salon, yes, creates a culture. But at the end of the day, we are the ones who retain clients, right? So I really learned to look within, okay, what can I be doing? What education do I need to brush up on? I had changed color lines in that move, right? So I needed to just really reevaluate how I moved about the cabin, so to speak, right? And it was a good lesson for me to say, okay, I am going to be the one that makes or breaks my career here, not the salon not the salon owner, right? They're catalysts, but they are not the one. It's going to be on me. Yeah. And and it was. And I think it, like it it really taught me that my failures are mine, but also my success is mine. So you really have to see it both ways. And I had had a lot of success in my career up until that point, and I was kind of hanging on to that, my past success and not utilizing what I needed to do now in order to continue to be successful. I was just trying to ride that wave and that's not going to ever work. So it, it was a good lesson for me to really reevaluate my place in my, in my career and what I needed to do differently. I think you mentioned something about retention there. And I think that's a key thing that gets forgotten about in our pursuit of attracting new followers and new clientele all the time and those mm -hmm. dreamy clients. But I mm -hmm. firmly believe you can, first of all, train your clients to be and cultivate a culture of dream clients. And uh, yeah. retention is something that those are numbers that people often ignore. And they're so powerful. Like you think of the lifetime. I have this one client, actually, she was just in the salon the other day, but she was my very first client who sat in my chair when I moved yeah. back to my hometown in 25 years ago she didn't know me I didn't know her she is still with me today I have done Love like that. I do her her mom so I've got great grandma all the way down all this the the her children all of her grandchildren I've done hair for all the weddings I've done cancer cuts yeah and one of the daughters married another one of my clients and I do his whole family as well so Amazing. like we joke that I am the center of their universe yeah and I know everything about that I've gone to great grandma's house to do her hair because she's got dementia now and yeah. you know like these people are such a huge part of my life, like, and yeah. the value and they've referred people and like, I can't even, I mean, I've never punched in like, cause I've switched softwares before, but how much yeah. Patty has been worth to me as a client and how Absolutely. much she fills my soul, 
you know? So that those retention numbers, I think are, are something that people forget. Like it's great to keep Huge. getting clients in, but if you can't hang on to them and really create that elevated customer service experience, then you're not get, you're going to miss out on something really, really key. Absolutely. And it is about doing great hair. Like, I mean, we all want to do great hair, but lots of people do great hair. And especially you see that all over the internet, lots of beautiful hair being done out there. So what is it that it makes you, you, right? What is it that makes you special? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think having those connections is so important. If I feel like I'm not really connecting with a client, they will probably go away eventually, right? Because I think it is more about, yes, we all want great hair, but like you said, you can get great hair at a million salons in a million different cities, but having a connection, that's what our industry boils down to a lot of times. And I know that there's a lot of conversations out there about like, this is business and you shouldn't get personal with your clients. I am not the stylist for you, if that's the case, because we get, we get the tissues out and like, I want to hear about your trauma. And I mean, I just find that that's such a wonderful part of our industry for sure. And having those connections and really like making social media part of that, like really connecting with people. And another important piece, we're always trying to like attract, 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 but nurturing your clients through social media is so important and through email marketing. Absolutely. Social media is just one piece of the, the marketing puzzle. There's lots of other ways we can market to clients and nurture those clients that we've already got into our chair. So for you, as far as like what you think your secret sauce is, I know you just sort of mentioned that real connection, but what do you Mm -hmm. think keeps those clients coming back? I mean, I think it's part of that, right? Like they get a little song and dance when they come to me. It's it's good hair, but it's also highly entertaining. I'm someone who's always really been able to connect with someone on a deep level. Like I'm, I'm someone who... I don't want to like have small chats, like small talk, right? Like I'm better on a deeper level with people. Um, So I think people really value that, especially with what we have going on in the world. I feel like I'm a really good listener, but also again, even on social media, I think you, like you said, you have to have those genuine connections. And I try to comment back to everyone who comments to me. If you spent the time to comment on my page, I want to give you a genuine comment back. I think there's so much fake things in our world right now that if you can just be true and honest and genuine, I think that makes such a huge difference. And obviously being good at hair really helps too, right? Like I think staying up on education and all that, you know, most of my clients don't even follow me on social media. It's kind of funny. I have just connected with them in real life and that's what's important to me. I know I was out the other night, Saturday night, and uh, we just went to this new spot, the local. I ran into two of my clients mm-hmm. there, and then mm-hmm. we went to another spot that I freaking all the time. It's one of my favorites, the Lark. And I was just telling the owner, I said, oh, yeah, I sent one of my clients in here for our anniversary. And I look over, I'm like, oh, my God, there's Hilarious. She came back. So, and he was like, yeah, it's like one degree of separation here in Belleville. Right. right. He's Always. from Toronto. So he thinks it's so hilarious that we all, everybody knows each other. But it's such a good vibe. Right. And, you know, my yeah. town's not, it's smallish. It's like 50,000 people, maybe a few more now it's growing, but you know, it's not, not a very big town, but you know, they still like, I make great money here. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, it doesn't matter where you live. The potential to make amazing money um, is there. And it, you know, and again, recognizing the the value of a lifetime client and not burning bridges, never shaming your clients online. Yeah. Please, please, young stylists, don't buy yeah. shame. It's not don't cool. Make that mistake. Yeah. 
and then I, another thing I found is harsh policies. I want to talk to you about that because that's another thing that I see a lot in our industry right now is policies galore. And I, I can yeah. appreciate them and understand them. I, I'm a bit of maybe a bit wishy-washy about them in my own salon. But you know, where are you at with that? While I love that there's this hairstyles empowerment <laughs> uprising, right? I love that because I think as service providers, we can get looked down on, we can get shamed, we can get taken advantage of very quickly. I personally don't run my business that way. Again, I think that's why I have the clients I have and I have the retention that I have. But also with that being said, my clients don't disrespect my time. So I don't have to enforce policies very often. Um, Even if I do, I don't because I'm just not good with confrontation. (laughs) Um, But like I said, that just doesn't happen to me. I respect my, my clients' time as much as they respect mine. I don't run late. I let them know if I ever do run late. I never want someone feeling like I don't respect them. So I feel very fortunate. Now, how someone else runs their business, I always say is none of my business, but I do feel like the conversation, because it is out there on social media, everyone is seeing it and then that puts all of us kind of into a box like oh are all hairstylists feeling this way are all hairstylists this rigid with their policies I don't want to knock on how anyone does anything but I have to wonder if you have to have these very strict policies and you have to constantly put them out online maybe there's something else going on within your business that is creating this enforcement to have to happen So I think, again, we all have to look at what our place is. Are you not attracting the right clientele that will respect your, you know, we all play a part. And so I don't, again, what other people do is their business, but it does kind of affect all of us when that narrative is constantly being pumped out. I don't love that. I just think there's better ways to handle it, you know, like creating a wait list, a demand for your time, create a wait list. Like, you know, if I have a last minute cancellation, I actually have one the other day, this client, she had booked an appointment and. All of a sudden, she called me that morning. She's like, I just broke my tooth. I have to go to the dentist. And it was a front tooth. Yeah. And she's like, I had to decide, like, right. is it my tooth or my hair? I'm like, your hair can we have to go get your tooth fixed. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You know, but I could have been like, you owe me all this money. But because it was last minute. But you know what? I sent a text out. My clients, I had that spot filled in no time at all. Absolutely. And, uh, Absolutely. and even if I didn't, I would find other stuff to do. That's when you work on your social media stuff. It's like, yeah. Okay, Like now I can, you know, hang out with my kids and not have to worry about this tonight. I'll do it now. And there's so many better ways to do it. And one lesson that I learned, I had a a thing happen. I had this client and she just no showed me, which again, does not happen very often in my business. Mm -hmm. And thank God I'm a nice person. And I left a message on her voicemail saying, I don't know if we made a mistake. Um, We had you scheduled, but I hope everything's okay. Call me, you know, whatever. And uh, well, it turned out things were not okay, actually, because her fiance, he worked for Hydro, stepped out of the vehicle, was electrocuted. His dad, who was also in the vehicle, ran out to save him and they both died right at the time of her hair appointment. And had I been a bitch and, you know, said, you owe me that. Well, like, oh my God. I I mean, I got chills still thinking about it. And this happened probably 20 years ago. Absolutely. I always remembered that. And later she ended up, you know, obviously was so devastated, but she ended up moving away. She met this wonderful guy, but they came back to this area because it's sort of a popular area for weddings. But she called me and wanted me to do her hair for her actual future wedding. And Mm -hmm. I was so honored, but she said, you were just always so lovely to me. That is a better feeling for me than having to be so rigid about policies. And so again, I talk a lot about how you can cultivate really wonderful clients who value, trust and respect you 
because you value trust and respect them. And yeah. I am so grateful to all of my clients and everybody that I meet. Um, and again, the other thing with like feeling like we have to have this iron grip on our clients. Like I live in a fairly small town. I see people out all the time. If I see a client out that hasn't been into me in a while, I never yeah. buy. I go right up no. to them and they always end up circling back. You know, maybe their budget Absolutely. has changed. Maybe, yeah. you know, something's happened in their life that maybe you're just not. And again, as a higher end stylist, I'm not always affordable to people if something goes crazy, right, in their lives. Absolutely. Uh, but I, I always welcome them back. And I, I think that's yeah. something really that, that that just vibes with me. And I get that that vibes with you too. And I think that's wonderful. Yeah. So how do you define being an unstoppable stylist? I mean, I, it might sound very basic, but just keep going, keep going. This is not an industry where stopping for too long is good. <laughs> we have to keep going. And you are, there is, I don't think there's a single stylist out there who's had a long career who can say, I've never had a roadblock, right? Roadblocks in this industry are going to come, whether it's a pandemic, whether it's moving, whether it's uh, your salon going under, there's so many things. And if you stop for too long, you know, it's just, it's not an industry, you have to keep going. And so I really always trust to new stylists who I mentor that when you think, you know, unless you know, you're done, right? Like, there's yeah. also a time to say, this is not for me. And I think, by knowing that, right, is is good too. Cause I think there's stylists that maybe shouldn't be in the history, right? Like there if if you know your time is up, willing to say, okay, I'm I'm able to move on. But if you are someone who is in this for the long haul, you just have to keep going. Continue to do your education, even when you feel like you just can't go to another class. You know, continue networking. All these things reward your career in so many ways. I've been so fulfilled in the last couple of years, probably more than my whole entire career. And I really base that on networking and all these different experiences that I've gotten because I've just kept going. So I think when you want to quit, don't, <laughs> don't, because yeah. it's um, the reward is on the other side. And despite the odds and the stats, you can have a very, very lucrative long career in this industry if you just keep going. So. Yeah. And I, I preach that because I've, I mean, I've been through, I've been through more than one yeah. recession, right? right? I've been through a traumatic, you know, marriage yeah. break. I've been really, I had a pretty traumatic marriage. I was married to an alcoholic and, and while we had sure. great love, it was also like hell on wheels sometimes. So, you know, this just, but I just kept going and that's how I came across, like, I'm calling myself the unstoppable stylist because no I matter what. I got this. And I really do want to show people how to build a very profitable, rewarding career, but also style a life they love at the same time. Like, I really feel Absolutely. like it's got to go hand in hand and work life balance is tricky. But if you are having a fulfilling career, and that happy life, like that is the sweet spot it doesn't really matter how yeah. much you really you're making sure. much, but it's it's the all the other things and time is our most valuable commodity so choosing how you spend it and who you spend it with is yeah. really really important so morgan share with people i know you're doing this tour you're you're on instagram a lot but what do you want people to know about you and your business what you see is what you get with me so who i am online is who i am in person i might just be a little more quiet in person but I want people to know that I really am still a person. Like a lot of people want access to you, right? Um, 
And sometimes it feels a little like I, at the end of the day, I want to make this about hair, right? I love being goofy and funny. Um, but at the end of the day, my heart lies behind the chair and my hands and hair. And that's who I really am. Yes, I am ridiculous. And yes, I will continue to make reels as long as the internet will allow me to. But at the end of the day, I'm so passionate about this industry. And I just want to see people win and network and do all the things because this life that I have built within the industry is all I could have ever dreamed of. So I just want people to remember to like love one another and love this industry. There's so many opportunities and there is no need for competition or any of that. There's so much room. There's so much room for all of us. 100% agree with everything you said. So, so where can everybody find you, Morgan? So you can find me on Instagram. I did get a TikTok. Both of them are at Jade Beauty Co. Um, my website's www.jadebeautyco.com. You can find all ways to contact me. And yeah, keep an eye out for our tour dates. That will be all over my Instagram. And my podcast. Yes. yes. My um, my co-host, who she, I'm her co-host. She's amazing. Erin Ray here. Um, our podcast is the Honest Hairdressers podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Yes, yeah, so, so many way, amazing ways to have access to yeah. you. Thank you so much for sharing this laugh with me today and sharing your wisdom and your insight and your real honest to goodness love and passion for our industry. I feel it too. And uh, I anybody who is young and upcoming and listening, know, just know you are in the greatest industry and you are in such a great right now. You and are. So- I look forward to seeing more amazing things from you, Morgan. You are just a delight. Check out theunstoppablestylist.com for even more help to grow your beauty business and style a life you love.